too many options and I certainly didn't check them all out. There's too many. I could sit on that character creator for a legit day exploring all the combinations and probably still just skim the surface. But you know, we can do a comparison to Ashes of Creation because, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was, that was coming. <laughs> you know. I didn't get my candy last time they went online, so I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get my candy. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all In a couple of weeks, feet. you might get some candy or you might get hit with a handful of baby powder. I don't know what's going to happen. On the borders of this enigmatic mist lay broken tablets and stone pillars, which seemed to be remnants of what was once a wall. The ruins were now just a landscape of debris. It was as if there was an explosion that shattered and scattered the pieces. The Pathfinder and his companions surveyed the border, seeking ancient secrets to answer the riddles of the mist. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Let's welcome back Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also welcome back Pasha. Gamers! what's up gamers you know the chat bubble got created by alfina uh yesterday i think it was so it's in our oh, discord to use yeah and she's working on i think i think she's working on you next and then i think half tilts coming up or it could be half tilt then yeah i can't remember but yeah we're getting our pathfinder crew their little emotes and oh, stuff yeah. discord's fun times so i'm looking forward to it okay before we dig in too far gotta give a shout out to the home of this podcast asheshq.com the community curated website for Ashes of Creation. And also, shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week. Friends, if you haven't already, you can go over to our iTunes, leave us a five-star review, comment. And if you do, we'll read it live here on the show. How do you do that, Sim? Ah, well, it's great that you asked me, Pathfinder Grunt. <laughs> All you got to do is go over to at Ashes Pathfinder on Twitter. Look for the pin post at the top. You'll see the links to all the places. Also, you can call into 1-539-664-6801 to call and leave a voicemail for us. I actually have one to play. It's extremely brief, but I'm going to play here shortly. And uh, I'm going to ask chat when I do play it to see if you can tell who it is. All right. It's very short, but you can also just shoot us a message over at ashespathfinders.gmail.com and our Pathfinder grunt out there and Vera will get it to us and they're good and ready because I hear that they're lazy these days. Probably always, but you can also support us on patreon.com forward slash some org and shout out to all the patrons who do. All right. Ready to spend a little bit of time catching up with the cast, but before I do, I'm going to go ahead and play the dadgum thing, right? So go to my downloads here. I was totally prepared to do this, I swear. There it is right there. Okay, here it is. What was that? It was such a short three-second message. Let me try it again. Simi. I'm sorry. I think I heard Simi. Did anybody hear that? Simi. Simi. That was, that was what they said. So anyway, Simi. 
was the voicemail. So shout out to you, Donver, because I know that was you because you're the only one that says that shit to me in <laughs> chat. But homie, what up? I guess I should say Donver. There we go. Got it. Got it. Did my shout out back right on. Um, <laughs> um, all right. A couple quick announcements. Knights of the Phoenix. We are recruiting, right? That is the guild for this greater community, right? So if you gather around for the LFM podcast, Ashes Pathfinder, um, or just any of the live streams here, or Ashes HQ, any of the stuff and things, if you're around this community, you want to you wanna be part of our, our home, you can hit me up in Discord. Um, and if you're not in Discord, discord.gg forward slash some work. Okay, join that Discord. It's got all our stuff and things there. Um, community night last week as we're catching up, gentlemen. I guess that's a good start off, right? We had our community night last week. We try to pick, we try to pick games that the majority of uh, people that are here in this community can join, whether they're in Knights of the Phoenix or not. And uh, I think we had a few of us who were knights, and then uh, one of the homies, uh, one of, of one of our guildies that was there. We jumped in a game called City of Heroes, a game that's actually been gone. And we're going to talk about this one in a little bit more detail for for a very specific reason before we get into talking about the lore and the discussion around all that today. We also have the cosmetics to look at um, from Ashes of Creation they put out. It's also really well-timed for our conversation today because there was a lot in the uh, narrative around those that I found interesting. Um, and it's going to be a discussion point I'm definitely going to want to start us off with here in a little bit. But City of Heroes is important to our discussion here, not just because we played it on Community Night, but also because Daedalus has referenced this game a lot on this show, if you have noticed Right. We've gone through and talked about things like I remember the Phoenix Aura got a reference back to this game. We were talking about how could the Phoenix Aura from the Kickstarter backer award look. Um, we talked about uh, character customization, and that one also was one that I remember Dayla specifically uh, talked about. I think some class theory crafting was also referenced uh, with that game. And I can tell you now that I've played it, even for only four hours or whatever it was on Friday, I totally see what he means. Totally get it. And this is one of those games that I think if you haven't played it, like City of Heroes, Homecoming is currently what you can play. It's actually a um, fan-run server because the game is no longer live. I understand that the the developers, they're totally cool with it. There's no issues if you want to play it, you want to broadcast it or whatever. The, the only thing is, is I think they're trying to work towards like, I don't know if I'd say like legitimize it necessarily, but there's probably a better word. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I think for the developers to kind of like support it more and kind of maybe a little bit more front and center, a little more visibility from them, I think would be a, a good way of putting it. What do you, what do you think, Daedalus? Yeah, I mean, I think actually legitimizes the right word yeah. because the the team that runs it now is is definitely not connected with the developers but it's really just, I don't know if it's a licensing thing or something, but there's some legal thing that um, the homecoming folks or the folks behind homecoming are working with NCSoft who published the game like historically. Um, but again, it is like, you know, totally okay to stream it, to play it. It's, there's nothing like um, I would say black market about it at all in terms of that. Um, but it is something that there's ongoing negotiation on. Uh, it just, I think the only thing they say is, you know, if you are streaming it, you know, just don't disparage the game. Cause that would, I would say negate any goodwill that <laughs> and makes they sense. might take that, uh, take it away. So yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I think it is, you know, 
they've definitely made some quality of life improvements to the game um, since it was live. But the core and like all the systems like you talked about, Sim, mm. um, you know, those are intact and they're they're definitely um, while the graphics are a little dated, there's some of those things you're like, man, I wish more MMOs did this. And it's definitely one of those ones that I'm really excited to kind of get back into. And I didn't think I would catch the bug so quickly, but it literally took one extended play session. And now I'm I'm yeah. addicted again. And it is definitely going to be my go to until Ashes comes out. Yeah, I don't know. I know Poshy. I don't think we were talking about a pre-show, right? And you haven't really played it, have you? Uh, I played City of Heroes, the, of Heroes when it came out. Oh, okay. I played it for like a month when it came out. I was but a wee lad at that time. I was, it came out in what, 2004? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like 14 years old, my guy. Oh my God. You know, I never even heard of it until Daedalus though. Are you for real? Yeah. I think I was so dug into World of Warcraft at the time because I was like my first MMORPG. Mm. And that was around the time, right? Because early vanilla, like I think maybe even beta or something was around then. I don't remember the time yeah, frames exactly. They, but they, they overlapped a bit. Yeah. It was yeah. like as you kind of things got winded down with City of Heroes, I think it was right about the time when there was like alphas and betas for WoW. Yeah. Plus I was I only out from Yeah. Yeah, I went from City of Heroes right to WoW and actually it was one of my City of Heroes like friends that said, Hey, you should try this World of Warcraft game. Mm. Yeah, I think another reason I missed out on games around that time period is I was like transitioning out the military at the time. Mm-hmm. So when I was in the army, I didn't do jacked. I mean, I actually got my first computer it was a compact, I think, Presario or something back in like 2002 or whatever. I think it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah. in the the beginning of the the better days. But yeah, it was that whole dial up period and all that. Yes, you know, still and oh my goodness, yeah. yeah and back when you're then. playing online, you scream at your parents to not answer the phone when it rings. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, um, yeah, we've got some uh interesting things to talk about today, and I've got some feedback around the cosmetics too, which we'll show in a little bit here. But I, I gotta say, like right off the rip the level there are games these days and this is like one of those things when i'm, I'm thinking ash is a creation i literally think that they need to take a page from city heroes playbook in fact i think a lot of the mmorpgs that are even out there right now that the fact that this isn't basic when a game in 2004 could do this come on man uh, we got to do better on the character creators man these days I mean, if a 2004 game can stomp most of the MMORPG's character creators into the dirt, don't get me wrong, the games look better now. That's not what I'm talking about. But the customization options. Yeah. yeah. I spent an hour, dude, an hour on freaking Friday. I was like, I'm getting ready to work out. I'm like, oh, I'll take 10 minutes real quick and make my character. No, you ain't doing that 10 minutes, bro. There are too many options, and I certainly didn't check them all out. There's too many. I could sit on that character creator for a legit day exploring all the combinations and probably still just skim the surface. But you know, we can't do a comparison to Ashes of Creation because, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say it, but. <laughs> I knew that was, that was coming. <laughs> you know. They didn't get my candy last time they went online. So I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get my candy. 
<laughs> yeah, in a couple of weeks, feet. you might get some candy, or you might get hit with a handful of baby powder. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm starting to think it's going to be baby powder. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> Feels bad, man. I I hope we get to see something. But yeah, seriously, City of Heroes, like what? And all of the aura effects, like, dude, they, they current, there are games that try to do aura effects and things of that and nature, suck. and they suck compared to that game with yeah. its dated graphics, y'all. I got to give them a shout out, though, man. The the graphics on that game, they feel similar. Not the same, but similar in how they carried across from one era to the next or one time period to the next. So I think Lord of the Rings Online, for example, is another game that specifically I feel like is a comparison. One's more of like fantasy world. The other one is, uh, uh, you know, kind of like in a city and stuff. I was even talking Daedalus when we were sitting there tinkering around with it. I was like, I play DC Universe Online. I feel like that game, even when I played it, which was years after this game launched, by the way, was crap in comparison to the, the potential that that one had. So part of me as an MMORPG player, seriously, real talk, feels a little bummed I missed out on not even knowing about it back in the day because I think I would have loved the hell out of that game. Um, I think it possibly could have even rivaled uh, World of Warcraft, if I'm being completely... I think, to be fair, though, if I had known about Lord of the Rings Online... I would have had a hard time choosing between WoW, that City of Heroes, and probably Lord of the Rings Online. Lord of the Rings Online was another one I didn't realize. Again, you know, around the time that launched, it was kind of, I, I missed out on some things. So when we talk about Ashes and we talk about um, some character customization, RP options, um, character development, building, theory crafting, uh, this is one that I am, I, I'm going to be honest, we're playing it again on Friday, and I'm pretty excited to pick up where we left off. We cleared a whole zone together uh, with the four of us. There was, there's still a pretty cool community that dropped by, and they're all like being helpful and stuff. And, you know, we threw a channel up in Discord, and we're just sitting there going through the week, and I'm like, like, no BS over the course of this week. I'm just kind of going to go and educate myself a little bit more on it and stuff. And it seems like really a really great frame of reference for MMORPG development and specifically Ashes with where it's going in character customization aura effects. Cause we know there's going to be the Phoenix aura. I would be shocked if that's the only aura that probably will ever exist. Um, Cause with their design, with it being so much like a modular design, we, we see consistently that this is not just to like character creator it goes to like um goes to like the creatures it goes to caravans it goes to freeholds fill in the blank um so i I think they're gonna make the phoenix aura (laughs) the coolest right and maybe the only aura for a long time after release just so you know people who actually (laughs) dumped a lot of money on it will actually feel unique you know yeah. feel like they're they're the only people who have it but then they're gonna have to go with more auras because if their engine actually makes it work they're gonna have to you know milk it as much as they can eventually yeah it's true and uh also uh shout out to zod who uh we we coined a term now that he's like i hope this doesn't make it into more play in ashes 
but uh we were like oh no don't get zotted and he was like oh don't make that a thing and i'm like oh i think it is because basically we were playing in the end the npcs i was like rolling around as a phoenix like kind of healing stuff it was an awesome time uh but he, he like legit got knocked up and i saw him get knocked up fall knock up into the air again fall and then he had this like bubble on him which was like the zap bubble that completely stun locks you and i was like oh my god that that would really suck to be be him and then i got zotted a little bit afterwards so it was it was a fun time we all got zotted we just we all, we all did you know unfortunately zod was the first so <laughs> he but but he was also the tank so in fairness like he's that's kind of his job to get zotted right so this is true this is true if everybody <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah this reading chat is funny so why don't we why don't we go ahead and dig in man um we had a really great discussion last week on the elephant podcast it's, uh the thursday show uh the last one specifically if you just really want to nerd out to some nostalgic chat around pretty much all things gaming we talked a lot around sci-fi and things like that too i definitely encourage y'all to check out the last episode that one was probably one of my funnest LFM podcast episodes ever. This one's probably going to be up there too, though, because we're about to talk about lore. But while we're while we're getting started, why don't we? There's not any big announcements from the team. Obviously, we're all gearing up closer to uh, the upcoming developer live stream at the end of the month, which I'm going to think probably is the 25th. But we'll have to wait to see what they announce. Um, let's talk about the uh, yeah. Let's talk about some of the the cosmetics that were released. They call these. Secrets of Shade Glen. Okay. There are some descriptive text. There's some descriptive text for some of these things that actually I've noticed more and more recently with probably, I probably want to say like more so in the last six months than before. Not to say that this wasn't happening before when they would post the news posts um, with, with talking about news posts. I'd also, also like to encourage the team if they're listening to uh, get more consistent on the creative director updates and articles on the uh, website. Cause I think that we're, I think the community is kind of missing out on some of those, just some constructive criticism. Uh, I think that's a missed opportunity right now with where they're at um, in development, yeah. but um but with that being said, can can we talk about these cosmetics? Like number one takeaway, I, I'm, these don't resonate a whole lot. I'm actually trying to do a little, little less uh, actual. I don't know purchasing a cosmetics. Right, the boat to me was a uh, was the one that stood out a lot. Yeah, the freehold cosmetic I had some thoughts about, and then the the little critter pet. Right, he looked like the freaking Mandrake from Harry Potter. But I guess he's a tater. So, yeah, gentlemen, in no particular order here, uh, thought specifically about these cosmetics. I mean, I, I liked the most of them. I thought they were pretty unique. The one that I'm maybe on the fence on is the costume. Um, I don't know. I, I may just for continuity, just like, you know, think about getting that, too. But I, I do like them and I do feel like on the heels of us having a reveal around the, um, you know, the pyre, I would, I, I can see the theme kind of coming in with this. And, and my favorite one is gotta be the freehold cosmetic. I'll be honest. I just love that. Like the use of color and like how that tree just, it just looks, it looks really badass to me. I, I love the reclaimed mm. retreat. Yeah. Yeah. It's dreams pyre. 
True. Even though it's not. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I'm going to read some of the specific text. Uh, it, it's. I feel like the people that are herbalists, alchemists, are probably feeling a little bit of love from this one. Um, because it definitely gives me that, that like, just gives me that vibe. Because, I mean, the accessory is literally like a little bud. It's like this little flower bud with vines or whatever. So I could totally see. I was talking about this last week. I could see how they could basically, if you look at all of the different accessories, like I'm kind of getting, again, going back to modular design, right? You look at the different types of, there's been vials and potions and jewels and things of that nature in the past that have been attached, right? Pouches. And and here we've got um, this one, which I think that there's a lot of love for like the herbalists and stuff here, but you know, when I, I specifically looked through the, the the mandrake looking pet, which is actually a potato, apparently. Really kind of a freaky looking one, but I can see it. It kind of feels like it's in between. Um, again, for uniqueness, I'm pretty, I think it's pretty cool. The mount reminds me of some of the ones I think we've seen before. And it's somewhat similar, but definitely had a, uh, I forget someone actually talked about it, but it's from uh, Mobile Played. Reminded me of a MOBA, one from, I think, Smite, and I forget where the other one was at. But um, anyway, yeah, the the mount's pretty cool. I definitely dig it. The uh, the boat, it's a smaller one. That one was really cool because a lot of their boats specifically have not had this level of uh, uniqueness to it, Like at least from my perspective, because a lot of them seemed like a big boat with a different style, uh, you know, craft, like a little bit of variation in shape and color or any aesthetics. And then the, the cells always felt pretty much the same. This one completely reorients, uh, uh, orients the, uh, the, the cell and puts it up like at the front and you've got like all this moss hanging and like a illuminated lantern slash bud hanging the boat. Like in itself, the structure is completely different than anything we've seen. Um, so for me, this one was, and it looked like it went for a smaller boat as well. So it, it looks very unique in design compared to a lot of the other ones that we've seen. Probably one of the most unique from my perspective. Um, and then the freehold skin. Now we've seen some of the larger trees before. Sylvan, oh yeah, that is it. Thank you. That was Sylvanas. Yes, that was it. Appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> But this freehold is another big tree, kind of weeping willow styled. Yeah, yeah. We've gotten like two, I think, before, if I'm not mistaken. We had that blue illuminated sort of witchy one. We had, I believe it was another large tree, but it was like more of like a spring style tree, like more of like your standard green budded, you know, lush tree. But they all shared something similar. The trunks are quite large and wide. And again, some of those are actually part of like the housing or whatever, but this and those all seemed like a lot like the um, recent uh, concept art we saw for the the pirate. Yeah. Yeah, See what what happens when you don't get a consistent calling. You call it pirate. What did you say? Pirai. Pirai. And I said pirate. See what the, they don't even sound the same. Can we get some help? A little bit of like, (laughs) Stephen, help, please. Please. (laughs) But it's cool because I thought to myself, if the 
freehold cosmetic if all those trees were potentially for different plots you could have like multiple trees in your freehold wouldn't that be sick that would be dope i hope yeah. we get to do that i so hope we, I. yeah i hope so too i just still don't know really the size of the freeholds mm. that we're gonna get like the last time that we saw it was so long ago and since everything's subject subject to change like i would love to have like an orchard or something like that like you know mm, yeah, plenty dude. of trees and a tree hold yeah tree hold so. <laughs> welcome to my what is it welcome to my uh what would be the word my grove <laughs> yeah welcome to my grove nice uh, but the, then they have like a grove tavern right it's like come come meet me over at the what was it grove grove tavern in or some shit I, I can come up with better if i had a little more time um on the fly i kind of fell that it but. shaded glen in there you go perfect <laughs> perfect Shaded Glennon, it is. So, any other thoughts, real quick? Because I want to hit on these description texts for. I think. No, you you go ahead, bud. Yeah, you you do you, boo. All right, so there were two, boo. There were two. Okay, there was. (laughs) (laughs) Just like broke his flow when he said, (laughs) "I got." Boo. I got two boo. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna talk about yeah, yeah, boo. Okay. So <laughs> the Orchard finest greens, yes. Come come visit me at my budding orchard. Uh so the rootling, right? There were two that had actual quotes to them, which I don't know if I've seen them put quotes there before. Um I'm gonna read these specifically because I feel like in in previous cosmetics, I try not to like speculate too much from it, but you can't help but acknowledge that there's a growing trend with the description text for the cosmetics as time has been going on. Um, more in the way that they're beginning to outline potential social uh, uh, social organizations or NPC communities or uh, historical references to things that we know that exist. So here's the thing. More and more, the references are things we haven't heard about, or we come to find out later are things we've heard about. The Light Pact, Pact is a really great example, mm. right? So it's it's it would be hard for me. So they said at one point, two years ago, that it's not canon. Okay. Descriptions for the cosmetics aren't canon. Now, fast forward a bit. We get information about the Light Pact. We get descriptions around the Light Pact in the cosmetic stuff that is directly related to canon. Yes. So I don't know how much I buy into that there's not an element of canon going on here because there's too many references to social organizations, uh, past historical events, things of that nature, to just go, it's all just a bunch of like flavor text for no reason. It seems like it would be a bad investment of resources to go through the trouble. And what I'm about to read is a great example of that. And if anybody can find any of their descriptions previously where they put quotations there, please share them because I don't remember any. This feels like an entry similar to the one we got from their last D&D campaign. Remember, we got those excerpts. Okay. So I was sitting there in my garden pulling up what was a few months. I should probably do this in different ways. So I was sitting there in my garden pulling up what was a few months of worth of taters. And as I had this one here by the sprouts, I thought it looked a bit like a man. 
Sorry, I shouldn't do it completely in that voice, but that works for the text. So then then I swear you, swear to you, sure as I stand, I see it blink. Slow too, one eye then the other, so it's not like I imagined it. Its head starts splitting open wide like a pantry chest right there with the mouth would be. I shriek and I drop it. It stands right up and just stares at me. I don't know what to do with it. It just follows me around staring. Won't eat anything when I try to feed it, nor does it say anything on account of it being a potato, even with it having a proper mouth with teeth. Good thing, too, because I can't tell you for a fact he does not like to be hugged. That sounded like it could be from Farmer Joe out there in Vera. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that one was 100% just to, for that was for the homies. Um, but you see what I'm saying? That It sounds like a farmer talking about something actually happening. And this feels very similar to those entries we got from the DAD campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like this looks directly like it could be on a quest. You go pick up somewhere from some farmer who's trying to figure out what the hell is going on with his farm. Cause he's got a bunch of these little things running around. You know what I mean? You're trying to help him figure out what it is. You got to go pull them and examine them or something. So the point is, is like this could just be a quest or something. 100%. Yeah. It's a little confusing that they say this isn't canon because it's all part of world building, right? You have like different things that are available. And I mean, I, I guess I would like to understand what they mean by in defining canon. I mean, I know what it means in kind of in my mind, sure. right? It's part of a grander story. And maybe it is just flavor text, but it's still part of the world and part of the universe. So yeah. I would venture to say it's it's you know, it's it's still part of the grander like, you know, details that it yeah. would be nice to know. When they say that it's not canon, I feel like they're just trying to save themselves or protect themselves from when they say something and and then they go back on it. They want to change it. Then they can't be liable to it. We can't like, you know, point point in their direction and be like, well, you said this the last time in the cosmetic of February 2019. So they're saying it's not canon. But at the same time, like you can you can do a comparison with Disney and Star Wars. They said that the extended universe was not canon anymore, right. but then they used the extended universe or parts of it for their movies because they don't want to be chained to the extended universe, but it's still good material, so they want to use it. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, I feel like it's the same. They're going in the same direction here. They're just shooting in the dark. And they see what sticks, and if we really like it, and if people really like it, then you know it's going to be canon, right? I mean, and why go through? No sense if none of it. Yeah, why go through making a whole story yep. just to sell something for ten bucks? Yeah, if what you're saying doesn't even exist in the game, exactly in, in the lore that yep. would make no sense, especially yep. if you're using actual names like to the Nikwa. This item is of particular value. And then he's like, well, no, it's not canon. I'm like, well, so why do you, when did you even mention the Nikwa? Yeah. I mean, going through and like having all these descriptive texts like this, I mean, that's like time and energy, right? It would be a waste of resources from my perspective to spend that kind of energy. 
creating something like that or like this one, right? Which again, that one seems like it's telling you about creatures and like potentially their behavior, potentially indicators of what they do or they don't eat. Like if that's a creature that you can somehow, you know, like interact with, raise, breed or something like that, who knows? We don't know if that's going to be a breedable thing or something one day. People are like, it's a pet. I'm like, well, the small version's a pet. They could turn that into something else. Who knows? We have no idea. We have no idea yet. So here's another one. And again, perfect. I'm, I'm piggybacking exactly off what Pasha just said, okay, about why go through the work of doing this and being so descriptive and... This one is a quote, not going to read it in a voice, right? The first one was just for the lulls because it sounded like a farmer. Um, This one said, okay, this is related to the freehold cosmetic, okay? The tree we talked about. On Sanctus, we put down stone where we pleased. And at our progress, nature retreated. Things aren't as simple on Vera. While we lived in the old lookout, we spent hours every morning hacking back the brush that crept up the walls overnight. We shooed away the the fey folk, that seemed intent on growing it. Mikkel killed one, and the next day we found him dead with his mouth and eyes stuffed full of flowers. Place of power, my arse. If you feel like dealing with it, the deed is yours, but it's more trouble than it's worth. Again, sounds like a quest text. Killing a bunch of fey. And we didn't we talk last time about fey, a fey realm, right? Wasn't that something we were talking about? Like the possibility of fey interacting and somehow being responsible for saving a portion of people and then we get this the very next week to look at right so it's like Mm -hmm. hard not to sit here and go oh what's going on here with the discussion points that they're making and it i know people can say oh sam you're reaching i'm like well well, okay sure You, you could say that I'm thinking of a lot of times we reached before and we ended up hitting a mark too when we didn't have a whole lot of information. Uh, for example, I feel very, very confident about the whole Phoenix and the tree thing related to lore. Can't read this stuff and not think to yourself there's more to it than just uh, doing it for the cosmetics specifically. So talking about the Fae, right? Wasn't that from a Q&A bullet point from last week? I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look that up real quick because I'm pretty sure there was something around that. I could be wrong, but I, I feel the need to look into this while we're sitting here and we're talking about it. So that's going to lead, like, kind of push me to discuss it, discussing the next conversation piece. This is going to be our we covered what came out this week with Ashes. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about this world okay and how these descriptions seem to be a lot more like they are painting the world and some details about the world that we have yet to explore and when we're thinking about the story okay and the different parts of the story that we're aware of which i'm i'm probably going to do a bit of a long and short here in a second um, to kind of like catch people up to speed so i'll give myself a bit of a break before i do that but any other thoughts about these quotes and descriptive texts that we've seen and how we're thinking that maybe it's going to relate to what we might actually experience in Vera? So I do. And it's not really about the quotes and <laughs> more about the descriptive text that it seems like these streams of essence 
are starting to be kind of a big deal. You know, we noticed in the alpha, like pretty much 100% of our loot was, you know, essence to some degree of rarity. Now they're talking about streams of essence making things evolve a certain way, transform, transform, becoming sentient and all that stuff. And it just kind of reminds me of, uh, for example, in Guild Wars 2, the ley lines that are basically the veins of this world. And instead of having blood going, like pouring, like going through those veins, it's magic, it's essence. And I feel like for, for those who don't know you, pretty much everyone here probably knows, there's Vera and then there's Sanctus. And I feel like in Vera, these ley lines, these veins of essence, these streams of essence are very prominent. And this is where we get our magic from. And in Sanctus, maybe they're just not as much essence. We can go into it later because the last time that we talked about it uh, regarding the Pire Pire Pire, um, we talked about their evolution <laughs> from the past race, the past single races that kind of like evolved into sub races back on Sanctus. And we were like, there's no magic there. So how can they, they evolve in that way? So there's probably still essence in Sanctus. It's just the races can't tap into it. They're like shielded or guarded. Mm -hmm. So that way ma magic can't be corrupted. So it feels like they're going they're going a little bit harder on using this concept, these veins of magic going through the world for, mm -hmm. for, for, for the world we're talking about here for Vera. It does seem like it's very likely. They've, they've mentioned this a lot too when they talked about King Atrax and uh, those ley lines, mm -hmm. you know, talking about the, I mean, that's, there's a whole, you know, blurb there about, about him. And if you all don't know who that is, he was essentially the, that's like the origin. His story is the origin of the of undeath on on Vera. That's that's the long and short of it. Um, and it's basically the ancients. So um, the ancients. Well, why don't we back it up a bit, right? And talk about this real quick for the people that the are here. Ones. Yeah, the ancient ones and the others. Uh, let's let's talk about this real quick for people who are maybe newer to catching up with Ashes and. Um, you you kind of want to have an idea of like, well, what are these reference points that these guys are talking about? So long, long time ago, thousands of years ago on this planet Vera, right? You, I'm giving you the short form. So feel free to check out Ashes HQ or the wiki for fuller versions of this. Long and short of it is you, you have the pantheon of the gods. The gods decide that they want to create life on the planet of Vera, right? They go creating life. They create the first race, a singular race that we now refer to as the ancients. In the ancients, they gave all of their, um, <clears throat> all of their attributes, essentially, right? All of the different pantheon of the gods, they imbued all their attributes into this one race. And as this race was, go, you know, uh, prospering and living and, and evolving or whatnot, um, some of those uh, gods in the pantheon decide that they want to, Give them, give this creature, uh, this race, the ancients, more information that than the other gods in the pantheon wanted there to be, or that they all essentially planned on their being, and wanted to teach them the ways of the essence. And in doing so, there became a battle between the gods and the pantheon. And what long and short of that is that the gods who who 
you can call the good ones as they're being defined as the good versus the evil ones. The evil ones being the ones that wanted to teach the ways of the essence to the ancients and the good gods being the ones that did not, uh, the good ones win. And those bad gods or the others as they're talked about and the ancients are ejected out of the world of Vera, sent into a void, lost to time, away and gone, not to corrupt this planet, right? They restart again and say, we're going to create the divine races. These four races that um, will exist and we'll split our attributes between them and we'll not teach them ways of the essence. They will live and they will thrive and they'll be the shining example of what we all are. Um, so civilization has wars they prosper for thousands of years right until one day lights start to show up in the sky and you can go back and catch a lot of information on this from uh dilia's diary and some of the other entries from that period specifically dilia's diary and apoc lore which is going to tell you about the time of the fall and the exodus so dilia's diary talks about these lights in the sky it started with one and then became many these were later called the harbingers and they fall from the sky into the planet of Vera. During that period, the Light Pact, which was this uh, 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 alliance of diff the different races and civilizations, they are all together to go seek out and find out what the Harbingers are, and later, as they fall to Vera, then are to stop all the bad things from happening, bad things being the spread of corruption that the Harbingers delivered, as well as the others that showed up, right? So long and short of it is, Shit goes down, people die, corruption spreads, and the divine gateways constructed and aided in by the light pact uh, are created during this vast period of time. And as corruption spreading, the people are fleeing. The gate is powered by the avatar of the phoenix or the goddess of creation. The avatar of the phoenix being the avatar of the goddess of creation. This gateway is powered. Most of the people make it out. Not everybody does. Gate shut. Most of the people go to Sanctus. Those that are left behind spend the rest of what is left of their life, or if they survive, question mark, fighting off in the last strongholds, going crazy, killing each other because corruption makes you a little crazy in the head. And some people that did survive the behemoths and the great apocalypse that happens retreat, hide, and then th as we come back after the gates have opened after thousands of years, we come back from Sanctus, a place devoid of magic. We come back, question mark on why, we don't know why yet. Um, when the gates closed, how did they close and cut people off? Because the Avatar of the Phoenix fell, and many of us believe that it was because the Avatar fell or potentially was killed and or sacrificed, don't really know yet, that as it got shut off, this was not part of the plan. Those people got left behind. Now you got Tolnar when we come back. This race that exists, it's a crossbreeding of the beast races, minor races, and some of the, the humanoid races uh, or just, you know, you know, the divine races that were essentially left behind when, when shit went down, right? Am I missing anything? I feel like that's a pretty good summary. You come uh, back. Pretty good. Cool. Mm -hmm. It's a long and short of it without a lot of detail, Okay. This is the foundation of the lore, right? Uh, you have excerpts in the past that give us details around more of the Harbingers, King A tracks. Uh, these relics or artifacts that exist, the ley lines. Um, you get, you know, snapshots of different uh, characters in the old lore. 
You get snapshots from APOC lore that talk about uh, how everything's going down during the apocalypse, um, you know, talking about different creatures, um, talking about different uh, groups of people or shopkeeps, things of that nature. So long and short of it is this one believes that the reason that we all come back is because that tree we see in the artwork in the Ashes of Creation artwork, if you go back and you do a comparison, it seems pretty, very viable that likely a lot of the, the Phoenix that we see, we now see this current like emblem form. Back in the day, in the early days of Ashes, we had a, a Phoenix which had its tail look like roots or, of a tree, right? Yeah, there, Daedalus is wearing a shirt, right? That kind of shows that off. <laughs> and you're <laughs> not going to do <laughs> that's right there have been references about something related okay but <laughs> so it's believed by me that the avatar of the phoenix probably got killed because the avatar isn't the deity but it's the avatar of the deity in physical form on the planet i think that the gods are very likely able to exist in avatar forms on the planet we don't know what they all are my speculation is is that they have these avatars that can exist within the physical world, and that's their way of being a part of it and sort of existing in that realm that they you know that they don't really exist in fully they they live in their own plane um that is the closest in relation to the essence because they are beings of and have perfected the use of the essence right. So I believe when we come back, it's that tree that over thousands of years has blossomed and bloomed, finally gives birth to a phoenix. I think that the phoenix basically is born from that tree, and that's it in its state of rebirth, right? Because you even look at the old tree, the bottom of the phoenix, you see this tree with like what looks like a pile of ash at its base. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to me that maybe what happens is the the goddess of creation's avatar is reborn and repowers or opens the gateway. And at this point, potentially it's sort of safe question mark, but is it, is it safe? Why is magic not on Sanctus? How's this all, how's this all going to make sense to us? And more importantly, what elements of the Lord to you gentlemen stand out the most, even if it's something I haven't talked about that you really want to see them explore and in what way and how can they get it right? Oh, I know it's a lot. Yeah. That's a very hard question to answer for me. It wouldn't, it would be probably like the political relationships between the races. We don't know that much about like, if they like each other or not. Like, we've seen concept art of, you know, like, early concept art oh, of yeah. the the Renkai orcs attacking humans. Does that mean that all Renkai are always at war against humans? How was it on Sanctus? How is it now on Vera? Like, that's all kind of, kinds of things that I really want to find out about. Mm. What are you, Daedalus? I mean, I want to dive deep into the into the pantheon i mean i know we know bits and pieces about it and we've been speculating quite a bit but Mm -hmm. i just want to see like that and i honestly want to see 
if there is a way they can also, as much as we're getting like stories about Vera and maybe the time of the fall, mm-hmm. I really want them to kind of bring us in more into Sanctus and what Sanctus is all about. Um, and frankly, I mean, we, we nerded out about this, like in our last, like, you know, big lore discussion, I want to know more about the divine gateways and like how they came about and potential like ways like over time or, or sorry, potential places over time we'll be able to go to. Cause obviously um, from our last discussion, many know that I'm a huge Stargate nerd Yeah, and I love the idea. Yeah. I love the idea of traveling to other worlds that are vastly different from our own. And so I kind of see that as, you know, how um, like, an extension of the story that's just going to continue to give us more options on where to go. And it can be a little bit of a, you know, non sequitur in terms of where we are in Vera versus these other places. It just gives us so much more um, flexibility where to go with the story. I, I, you know, I would love to kind of know that. So it's kind of just about like that part of it. That's most intriguing to me is the Pantheon like the divine gates, how we interact, and then really what life was like in Sanctus. And then even if it's delivered, not in a direct manner, it's like you might have to find books or journals or something that tells you a little bit more about Sanctus. I would love to see that. Um, I wouldn't actually, you know, be opposed to maybe a quest or two taking us back to Sanctus to retrieve an item that has no power or is useless back there. But is somehow like a needed piece that we need to complete a quest line back in Vera. So there's just so many places we could go, but those were like the, the main things that I'm like really interested in is, is those, I would say those three. Mm. And Chad just made me just started a tornado mm-hmm. of ideas and nerd gasming in my head. Let's go. Why Vera? What is so important about going back to Vera? We've been on Sanctus for thousands of years. Why do we have to go back? Was Sanctus Mm -hmm. unstable? Was it made to be just temporary? Like, did did it not work? Obviously, it kind of worked. Sanctus was made to protect the races from, like, that corruption. So why bring us back to this place? if this place didn't work out the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you see a lot of times, like I think in, in more uh, in our current, in current movie culture, when people explore the Greek gods, for example, they talk a lot about how, uh, you know, essentially like, you know, you see it all the time, like Clash of the Titans remake and shit like that, where you've got like Zeus and it's like, Oh no, if they stop praying to us, or even in Immortals, right? They stop praying to us, we won't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm like, is it something like that? Like, you need us? You know, or is it because there's, like, some tie-in to magic? You know? And 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 even then, like, do you need people praying to you and believing in you? Because they clearly were doing it on Sanctus. So that doesn't seem like a reason. It. Is it simply because like this is the home you made for us and we're cut? You want us back home in the place you made for us? You don't want corruption on this planet? Is it a sacred world? 
You know, is it like the sacred world of creation? And it is their vision that their creation lives on this world and thrives and it evolves to, you know, on the planet. But with that being said, why not have magic at all on Sanctus if the damn others and the ancients aren't there anyway? They're not there to corrupt anything. They're not there to taint anything. Mm-hmm. Why limit the use of magic to only Vera? It doesn't, that's the thing I don't quite get either, right? Like I'm trying to understand because to me, and this is this is going to be an, an important point in my opinion that they answer in the lore and in the narrative. Why did you take away magic and make it, or even just dampen it so it wasn't usable by creative? You know what I mean? Because remember, the spark, the essence is part of the soul. Yeah, it's it's part of everything. It's yes. kind of like the force, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like so it's like the force exists on Sanctus, but you can't access it. I mean, I think you bring up a good point, Sim, because I think it is about connection and kind of the way I look at it, why Sanctus had no magic. I kind of go to those stories that talk about like when somebody of great power or potential power goes into hiding, they can't use their powers lest they be discovered. And so I kind of see the goddess of creation opens up these divine gates, you know, brings as many of the people that mm-hmm. you know can be saved to sanctus so they can be hidden from the others who may or may not come back because i don't think that was really certain they were banished but for how long mm-hmm. right and obviously you know there was a cataclysmic you know event that happened and vera wasn't stable and it kind of did like a whole reset and so my like my personal opinion is I see the essence as being, like you said, it's being a part of each citizen of Vera. They go to a place where they're cut off from that. And maybe it's conscious, maybe it's subconscious, but they feel empty. They mm. feel like they're they they're in a place they don't belong. Then the gates open and there's a voice or a compulsion to say, I need to go back home. I, I you know, as much as I know that steven and all of us know that steven is a huge star trek fan Mm -hmm. there was a tng episode where there was something like that i mean you know just just to summarize it briefly you had some people they were infected with some sort of alien dna it in their dna it you know it changed them evolved them but it compelled them to go to a place i kind of see that very similarly Mm. as a plot device or potential plot device um in in ashes of creation and what compels us to come back is we want that connection to the to the essence i was about to say the force <laughs> we want a connection to the essence back right we want to reawaken that part of ourselves that was air quotes lost right because it's been a while right we're the people that went to sanctus aren't the people that are coming back exactly to sanctus, right they don't right? know it, the planet yeah they have no yeah but somehow awareness. yeah exactly but somehow they're compelled to come back. And obviously, the, you know, the you know, 10, 10 million gold piece question is why? Personally, I think it's it's innate. It's part of Varen DNA. Mm-hmm. I I kind of agree with Garganoid and Chad here. That's kind of like where I'm 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 heading mm. for like my 
that opinion so far until I'm proven wrong. It's that <clears throat> kind of like in um, American Gods, the TV show in the book, mm-hmm. gods do depend on worship. Right. They need to be worshipped. It's like their it's their fuel. It's their food. That's how they become powerful, and that's how they die. And when they don't have any more, and maybe they just had enough, and they need the people to worship them. So that's why they saved us. And then they created Sanctus with just enough energy to last a few mm. thousand, a few thousand years. But they need to bring us back to Vera because of all the magic, because of all the essence that serves as the cables, the connection that connects the people to them. And while we were on Sanctus, our worships, our prayers wasn't feeding them. It wasn't fueling them until they bring us back. And then, you know, the the prayers can actually connect to them. Yeah. And we know that, you know, religious orders and, and worshiping of a God is a choice, right? People are like, People were like, I remember back when people were like, uh, they were basically saying atheism is a thing. And I'm like, I don't know if it, atheism's not a thing, right? In, no, in no, ashes. It's, it, it's, it's maybe, a, you know, it's like a type of agnosticism, maybe. Uh, you choose not to, you know, you don't believe in something you or you choose, care. yeah, you don't care. You, you maybe don't really choose a path or whatever, but you can't, you can't den- be an atheist because they do exist. They're there yes. physically. They created yeah. this world. They took you out. Yeah. And they do exist. Yep. They're part like of the world. Almost flesh and blood, you know, yeah. just like in Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah. The gods are an actual thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, or even the living gods for those who know the Elder Scrolls. You can't be an atheist Dunmer. Vivek right. is there. You can just <laughs> climb the goddamn stairs and he's here. He's going to be like, saw dude, as soon as he sees you. So here's the other question, right? It's an innate. It's innate, right? You got to be able to explain from my perspective, from a narrative perspective, and this is just my two cents. If a civilization has thrived for thousands of years without magic, right? Without the use of magic, that when they come back, they ch- just can't be chucking, sp- you know, fireballs like they know how to do it. If I, I think if there's not an element of like uncertainty from a player, like in their own little narrative, from sorry, your player character, if there's not like a level of uncertainty or, or like, exploration and a lack of awareness of like how to use your powers, then I think they miss a mark from my perspective, because you're talking about a, a person that maybe they're a champion on their planet. Sanctus, right? We're all the champions. We're the champions of that planet that come through the gates. So if we come through the gates and we're badasses, that doesn't mean we know how to use magic. That doesn't mean that we're like epic at like, some, we never did that shit before. I don't think, Unless they decided to be like, you know, go the, in my per, in my opinion, the lazy route with magic systems, and say magic cause, and you just kind of know how. I think that's a huge missed mark. You know, I'm not like really expecting there to be like a magic system where um, there's a huge cost to to having to like figure it all out and everything. But I do think there needs to be like some sort of a path trajectory to like discovering this because i think that discovery in using magic when you never had it before 
and being a part of this planet you've never been to. I think that is such a big component to, to not miss out on because I think it's part of the exploration of Vera too. I mean, I'd have to disagree with you on the champions bet. I don't think we're champions of, of Sanctus. I think Sanctus was just like, you know, our, our safe house, if you will. Yeah. I, I think, think we're all numbers game. It, it yeah. It's like take everyone there, those who can't get, can get through. It's like the 1%. Like yeah. we got 99% of the people out. We don't need any more. Let's close the gates. Mm. That or there like wasn't any get, other choice, right? Yeah, they can't get to it. And they're like, well, you know, the apocalypse is coming. Like <laughs> the, the pros and cons leave the gates open and, and corrupt yeah. Sanctus as well, or just close the gates. But we have enough people for us to, you know, survive on this fuel maybe when they come back. Well, I think if that's the case, Steven's going to have to like, because I'm saying champions because those are Steven's words, right? He said that the people that come through, you're, you were like some of the best. You weren't like the chosen one, but mm-hmm. you were like, you know, you were you were kind of badasses back deal. there. Yeah. And I hate it. Yeah. I hate that he said that. Yeah. That was, I absolutely despise the fact that MMOs make the players the main protagonists. Even if I'm just one champion out of 50,000 champions or of 12 million, depending on the population of players that are going to play the game, I don't want to be this badass guy. I just want to be this random dude, this adventurer, and I make a name for myself. I don't want to be a champion from the get-go. I don't want to be the eternal commander in Swator. I don't want to be the vestige in ESO. Right. I just want to be a guy. Yeah, I think champions, when you use the champions, you're not like the chosen ones, mm. but you're not like nobody's either. You're like you're you're kind of like, you know, maybe you did well as like a battle master back on. Uh, but I think the approach to just like having there be some random chance and like doing what you all are saying would be much better because mm. That would be better from my perspective than than being a badass already. Or if you're a badass and you are selected to come through, you get a reality check when you come through because <laughs> you're like, I suck. God damn. I don't know shit. I don't know yeah. shit. You get hit with a reality check that being a badass there means nothing here. Maybe thousands of years ago, your ancestor won the spelling the spelling bee championship, but you're, you're <laughs> on Vera now. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I honestly like. I would prefer if I came through as a friggin' peasant, man. I mean, and I mean that like as like a term of endearment, not a disparaging one. Yeah. Is I I want to have to grow, and I want, and, and I can't come out of the gate like knowing all these like things about the world or knowing how to do these really complex spells it just it just doesn't make sense right it mm-hmm. would just be too immersion breaking and i, I mean i would assume that's not the case because you're not going to start with every spell in your repertoire you're going to mm-hmm. learn them over time and you're going to build and you might experiment and so on so i do feel like when he says champions i think you 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 did say kind of what i was thinking as well sim is by champions maybe you know we're better than average over in Sanctus to really fulfill our, our destinies as, as a, I don't want to say as a race, but like as a collective Mm. set of like, you know, 
folks from Vera. Yeah. Yeah. Collective travelers, what have you, right? We're going to need to band together, whether that's band together as an entire like world and band together as a, like a node of which we're a citizen or as a guild or what have you, right? There's always going to be that collaboration factor that's going to ebb and flow within the game. So mm-hmm. we can't just go in and win the game on our own, right? We're always going to need, you know, our comrades in arms. And so I, I agree with you, Pacho has actually been like writing a few articles and that's been a theme that comes in and out of those articles has yeah. been, it's such an overused plot device. And like, even like Swotor early on didn't make me necessarily feel like the chosen one. It made me feel like somebody that's pursuing yeah. a path. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. just later on with the expansions that were like, Oh, you're all powerful. You're an, you're an actual God, but mm-hmm. like basic vanilla Swotor, you were a badass, True. but that's it. Like you're not, you're not the emperor. Yes. You were just a badass. Like, you're better than the emperor, who was the most powerful being in the goddamn galaxy. Right. But like before that, in Vanilla Sutor, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like that. And same for World of Warcraft. Vanilla WoW, or even, you know, today I don't I don't follow the lore anymore, but in Vanilla WoW, you're nothing. You're just a dude. Oh man. And I liked it. I really like being just this guy. And then you learn who Daedalus is. You learn who Simurg is because these guys killed Ragnarok, the first. Like, they're the first guys who've done it. You know? Like, they're the guys who, who led that raiding party against the dragon that erupted from the mountain. Those are the champions. Those are the, the, the gods among us. I don't, want to, I don't want to be a god from the get-go. And they did mm-hmm. say, like, there's not going to be any, you know, personal story quest and stuff like that there's going to be a, a narrative but nothing like we have in eso Swatoris, shit like that so i just hope that we're never going to get to that point where our single character is the main protagonist because that's not how an mmo should be this is not a single player game i agree and i think even like eventually getting to that like champion and honestly i don't want to use champion but even getting to that like god or hero status, I don't think you should ever get there, right? In in the sense that, you know, you're the chosen one, blah, blah, blah. Even even like three or four or ten expansions down the line, you're always gonna be like a player in mm-hmm. the world that needs others, that succeeds or fails with the, you know, how well they collaborate. It's not ever a situation where you're like a golden god running around just one-shotting things, right? I just, I don't ever feel like that. I mean, that's fun for a minute, but it's not going to sustain you mm-hmm. in terms of a fun factor. You always should be as a player challenged and not necessarily be someone that everybody just bows down to from an NPC perspective. That just, it just doesn't mm-hmm. sit well with me and it's pretty immersion breaking. Yes, I can be powerful. I mean, one of the things that I would say, like, if, you know, reference point, in addition to what you guys were saying, was City of Heroes like that, too, is you started out kind of as a fledgling hero and you got powerful over time, but you still, in the face of greater threats, always needed others to be able to do it. You couldn't single-handedly save the world. You mm-hmm. needed your your league. You needed your super group. You needed 
you know, other heroes kind of jump in and help you. And and that's not to say that that's not happening in like World of Warcraft with raids and all these mm-hmm. other threats, but it's still kind of it just doesn't sit with well with me that we're always like the chosen one or the, mm-hmm. the hero of the world and and the dude right next to us is also the hero of the world. It just it just yeah. doesn't work for me. I right. think it should we should always be taken down a notch throughout it. And I don't mean that to like um you know take away from accomplishments that we've done in the game, but it just gives us a sense of humility that I think is important. Because the minute yeah. you start getting like really super cocky in terms of a story, then it it tends to be less and less relevant for me. I mean, I could see it in a single player experience, fine, right? But then an MMO, no. Yeah, I think I think that Ashes has an opportunity to redefine what the chosen one means in an MMORPG. For example, chosen by your people, like the Light Pact. Right. That's a great example of what being chosen in ashes could mean. Right. Because those individuals that originally were in the light pack, they weren't like, you know, what I mean, they weren't like the chosen ones. They were they were people who had skills. Right. They they had a, a certain skill that they were good at. Some of them were healers. Some of them were fighters. Some of them were mages. Some, You know what I mean? And they yeah. all they were like some of the best. And they were chosen by their their people, basically. Like, because when all of the the races got together, all of those, you know, orders got together, and they they developed the light pack. These were the people that they felt like had the best chances of success, right? And and what were those people doing? Were they like the 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 heroes of the time? Sure, they were heroes, but they weren't like the chosen one. Or chosen ones in the sense that like you know they were going to save the world they were just chosen by their people to go on this quest to try to help figure out what was going on and what could be done to stop it and if there were any chosen ones those were probably like like the ones that were like the ones or whatever i only see that as being the deities from my perspective because when I think of like who are the protagonists and antagonists, who are your good guys and your bad guys, I think if they take the Lord of the Rings online approach to what your player character is, I think that is an awesome approach because you're a badass, you're a hero to people in a town, but you are absolutely not Aragon or you're not like Frodo, you're not Gandalf, you're not those people. Those are the core people in the story. That are like, you know, those are the ones, those are the, the, the ones that, you know, the champions, the heroes that that save everyone through their actions and everybody else who might be like, you know, a devout follower or who might be a hero in their town or, uh, you know, the strongest soldier in their in their troop or whatever. They all sort of like support. These primary, you know protagonists and stuff that are basically like going through the story and basically vanquishing the evil. And so then the question is, well, who are the protagonists of our story? Because if we're the chosen one, that would be us. Like if, if we're like the destined hero, that would be us. We don't want that narrative. At least it sounds like we don't hear. We don't want that narrative. We want to toss that shit out. We just want to be another person kicking some ass of notoriety we earn it through our prestige we go out there we do our thing we contribute and as a whole we all are able to accomplish this right 
So we know that the, you know, the enemies, the ones that are there, are some of the ones that are basically probably in like some of the strongholds, ones that we have to vanquish. These are the raid bosses. If we're not those people that are like the true heroes of the greater story, the ones that everybody remembers, then who are they, right? And the one of the first indicators of who we have, I think, comes down to the stuff we got from that, uh, you know, those lore excerpts on Tales of the Home Homecoming, that Kyrie uh, Arasana, you remember? Mm-hmm. And she was like in the middle of her life, if I'm not mistaken, she was like, what, maybe... Was she like around? Uh, I forget exactly what her how what her age was, but she was like fifteen hundred ish, give or take, maybe eighteen hundred years old. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, and she was an elf, and elves clearly live a long time. So she was like in the middle of a lifespan, which tells us elves live a long time. She seems like she's pro has the potential to be one of those like you know hero characters that we maybe are supporting. And I think that's like a really good approach. So then like the question is, who are the other characters? Is that something you guys would like? Or would you like something different than that? I like the idea of supporting this legend, supporting this hero. We are not the hero. We live through the story of that hero because we help them. We're part of their of their crew. Like when they go into that dungeon to discover something, the hero this NPC gets that thing and we get rewarded too with loot and all that stuff, you know, but we're not the one who's, who's being remembered by the story of the game. We can be remembered by players, but for the story of the game, for the NPCs, it shouldn't be me. It should be that hero that I supported. Also, Chad, I'm sorry if you hear a lot of noise in the background. It's not me farting. It's construction going on. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> He's like, it was me busted, I swear. I totally agree with that, Pasha, like 100%. To me, that's yeah. because when I ran around in World of Warcraft, like I always thought of, I hated it when they were like, you're the chosen one. I was like, ah, I thought Thrall was, you know what I mean? Like, or, or Varian or like these people, those were the, they were the tall characters. They were like the, the people that you're like, Oh shit, you're stoked to see their story and you were supporting them. And at some point that changed, didn't it? And you weren't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like that anymore. Yeah. It was all about you. Yeah. It was all about you, the, the, like the player character, but it shouldn't be, it should be about, about these legends in the game that we might, Honestly, like if they implemented implemented that way in Trepid, what they could do is having in different regions of the world, you have different NPCs that kind of appear kind of everywhere in dungeons and raids and the open world and open world big boss like big boss fights. You see that NPC appearing regularly and you're supporting that npc if you go into another region of the world in the mountains it might be a dunier dwarf legend npc that does the same thing and these are the regional legion like legends but it should always they should be the focus of the storytelling it shouldn't be us like i said Mm -hmm. i want to be a farmer i want to farm my cabbage in peace and own my tavern and make coin. That's all I want to do. I don't want to be a legend. That's yeah. not interesting at all. Leave that to the light pact, right? Because they're clearly the champions of the cause. They have been yeah. for thousands of years. And she was one of them. 
right? She was one, like her, I think it was her, her uh, mother, great, or her grandmother, like literally she remembered her grandmother and her grandmother was alive when they left, right? So the cool thing about elves, at least, one cool thing about them in the story is like, they're not so distant compared to maybe some of the other races in generations to those who left. So that's kind of cool. But the light pact clearly endured the order of the seven, put them together. They were there trying to figure it all out. They helped construct the divine gateways. Uh, they're there enduring clearly still on Sanctus waiting for the arrival, which by the way, seems like this was planned out way before they ever even went to Sanctus because the goddess of fate, I think, thinks there's a little bit more to that order of the seven in there. In, in knowledge of the things to come, probably shared by the goddess of fate, that the light pact, I think, has the information about. I think the light pact should be the heroes of the cause, like all yeah, those characters. 100%. Those characters that come back. And I totally dropped an excerpt from uh, some of that story on the introduction part from the Tales of the Homecoming. You know, drop that in there from that Kyrie character that I talked about. I mean, it just everything seems like the light pact is like your core of your story when it, when you come back. And um, so when we talked about like those those people that are still there, right, those enemies that exist. I, I think wholeheartedly King Atrax is a pretty obvious one. You know, uh, whether King Atrax would be a dungeon or a raid boss, I'm not really too sure about. Um. I don't know like if you're open world. You think so? An open world boss, something that public, something that all players can get their hands on. No need to be in a big guild. Right. You know, one of the things I think about too with those characters is like what characters that could exist from, you know, that are a primary like bad guys in the story. Do you want them to only be locked behind content that's locked behind nodes? You know what I mean? Because that would kind of suck in some ways, I think, if you came and you couldn't actually explore the story because you'd have to wait. How long would you have to wait to actually do it all, to actually get and to find out the whole story? The main story of the game shouldn't be locked behind any kind of wall. In my opinion, it should mm. it should be something that you can flow through. And, you know, it's like one main storyline that you follow and all these interesting tidbits, these, like, these these parts of the lore that aren't mm. going to make it in the main storyline in the main objective those can be behind walls like behind nodes behind raids behind stuff like that but like going from start to finish of the main objective mm. that should be open to every player whenever wherever yeah i i would be down with that what do you think daedalus yeah i i totally agree and i think you know those things that might be locked behind some sort of progression might be like deeper dives into, you know, the main characters or, you know, certain events in the past or something that just gives you more color and more context to the main story. But it's not necessarily, I mean, you won't, I don't want to say you won't lose anything, but you'll, it'll be an enriching experience to be able to go down those paths and each server is going to have like, a different point at which they get to those parts of the story. And I think that's okay. Um, I actually, I wouldn't have a problem with that, uh, but maybe just kind of coming back to one point around like 
personal story or lack thereof in terms of the design philosophy, I would actually think in my personal opinion that that would be a mistake. And let me explain. When I say lack of personal story and me being against that, I'm not necessarily talking about, oh, you're the hero of the world, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're, you know, the only paladin, blah, 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 et cetera. I want it to be something where I go and invest into a class. And part of my class fantasy is really exploring what it means to be whatever I've chosen. Right. And to me, that's a personal story. It doesn't mean I'm a golden God once again, but it does mean that I'm like some schlub that just wants to learn more about my class. Right. And learn more about the history behind my class and and grow in my power because I have this knowledge. And so that to me would be a huge missed opportunity if that's not even something that's planned, because one of the most rewarding experiences that I have seen in games has been about a personal story that wasn't me being a god. It was me coming into my own power and understanding my place in the larger narrative. And that place not necessarily being like, you're the dude, right? I, you're, you could be like, you're one of the dudes or you're part of a greater cause, right? Mm-hmm. Again, it just gives me context as a player to be able to be part of that larger narrative in a way where I'm not necessarily the most important, but I'm frigging relevant. And that's, that's all I care about. That's all I care about mm-hmm. when I play a character in a world from a gameplay design standpoint that's all I care about in the narrative is just being relevant. I don't care if I'm not the most important. I just want to be relevant as part of the story. And there's and one thing that I think that Swotor did really well again early on was everybody had an agenda. Like, and as you kind of work through your class's story, you kind of started finding out more and more of these different layers of agendas. And then you decided at some level what your agenda would be. Are you going to be more, you know, from a, you know, alignment perspective light or dark and even within like i could be a sith guy right and still be kind of a slightly good sith guy versus like or i could be on the exact opposite i could be you know on on the light side but i could be like you know a badass exactly you could i could be a dark jedi that's more a vigilante right so it was those kind of choices that still again it was very personal but it didn't mean i was a friggin' hero Right. It meant that I was some guy that was just making choices and sometimes they were good ones and sometimes they were bad ones. But the bottom line is it was my choices to make and it impacted, um, you know, the not say the world, but how the world perceived me. And I like that. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between being like a hero to like some and a hero to the whole world, too. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I. And I liked your idea as well. And like of being a hero of a town or a hero of a node, that makes so much sense to me. Because frankly, I just like, I mean, I just think of those stories about people that were like, you know, peaked in high school football, right? They were a hero, (laughs) right? At that point in time in their lives. And then they go out in the world and they realize, man, there was a shit. Exactly, right? <laughs> you ain't exactly. shit, son. You left your town. You're in a big world now, boy. You can catch a ball. Let's see what you can do with your 401k. You ain't talking about 3K in your damn hometown. You're talking about 3 billion, son. Get learned. Exactly. exactly. But it's that yeah. kind of thing that I think is important. Because again, it it instills a sense of humility in the yeah. player and it gives them something to work towards. Because if you are always the hero, 
it kind of from a at least from a story perspective it doesn't feel as satisfying right or if you're always at the peak of your you know performance when you reach that end game you know and it's only yes. like shuffling deck chairs right on the titanic on whether or not you know your you know your different skills etc it it becomes less and less interesting for me right yeah. there's less options to like horizontally progress and, and really and- differentiate yourself and in Guild Wars too, I, I I'm glad that you talked about like shuffling. You know, you're sh- just shuffling chairs and like mm-hmm. in in Elder Scrolls Online or other games um, that make you like this main protagonist. You're so powerful that your main quest isn't even oh yeah to get powerful enough to kill the bad guy. Your main quest is just to get to the bad guy so you can kill him because you're strong enough to kill him anyway. And in Guild Wars 2, they did something kind of cool, even though I still hate the fact that you're the main protagonist. Um, you're like the champion. You're a commander. You're the champion of a, of a dragon. And it, you're insanely... Well, you're not insanely powerful, but you have insanely powerful allies. And what I really liked in um, one of the expansions, Path of Fire or Heart of Thorns, they made you, even though you were kind of the badass you get your ass kicked constantly and your main quest becomes not how do I get to that guy and more how do I find a way to even make a dent into that guy? He is so powerful. How can I even do anything to him? And so the main quest kind of, it kind of worked in that sense. And that's what I'm hoping Ashes Creation makes us do is these big big powerful enemies and we're not the main protagonist but we're try we try to find a solution on how to make a change you made a difference not not i want to go from a to b more more how am i even going to like how am i even worthy of going to be right Mm -hmm. yeah and i wanted to like fall back to talk about yeah and i mean making a difference and being known for helping make a difference is different than being the 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 one yeah the last great hope for the world or yeah yeah. you can you can have killed the necromancer that was terrorizing a town yeah that's awesome you got your party of friends and you guys made a difference you were relevant you saved people you made things a little bit better or a little bit worse and that's why you're that's what you're known for yeah you don't need to go after the big bad guy every time Right. Imagine if your story is just making a, a little difference, but even making this, even killing this one necromancer that's terrorizing one village is an insane, an insanely dangerous quest for you. Actually achieving it makes it, makes it, makes it awesome. It makes mm-hmm. it a big part of your story. And then they can actually have a lot more space to make the story evolve and make enemies stronger and stronger with each expansion because you started so low you started with this bandit chief you started with this little necromancer guy not from the start with a goddamn daedric prince and then well what do you do for the next five years you just go from daedric prince to daedric prince and you just kill them all right yeah, that's like the the issue I've always had with being the chosen one too. Is you get into a raid and it's like, and so who are they in the narrative? Because this doesn't work for me. Yeah, they're Be- nothing. They're a band of adventurers, but right? I'm the vestige. 
Yeah, it's like you're like, dude, that it that formula has never worked for me. I'm like, if I'm the one and they're the one and that's their story. Right. From a role play perspective, real talk. That's what you're that's that's what your game is doing. You're putting play player characters into a group to go accomplish a task. And you're telling all 40 in that group. They're the chosen one. It doesn't work. The math, it logically to me does not work. I don't care how you try to explain it. If you're telling me that we're all the chosen one, we can't all be the chosen one. There's one. Right. And so in an MMORPG, I don't feel it has a place. So I think also the, the the issue with that is there used to be ways to find it. I'm going to I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here that people may or may not like, but I don't care. I'm doing it there. There when back in the day when there was that time, right, where you were just another person in the world. Right. You were helping contributing. The cool thing in ESO, right, is you go and this is definitely an ESO or an Elder Scrolls thing. You go by a character and they're like, oh, you helped out with this in this place. And you're like, oh, and the NPCs know you. Right. They know you and they appreciated you. And they're like, thanks for helping that one time with this. That's cool. To me, that's really interesting. But when they went and took took it away from you being a person in the world, you know what? I think this, I believe, was a part of the downfall or beginning of the end for a lot of the games in the genre. And it was that we used to be someone of many someones helping to make a difference. And any of those chosen ones that existed were these non-playable characters that usually sort of led you through the story and you were there to have their back as they took on the greatest challenges. You were there to help back them up. So fast forward a little bit. In most games these days, you're the chosen one. You're the best. You're the most important, right? used to be that you would look for a sense of prestige and you got that through completing a raid, following that character. That was a chosen one, that non-playable character, right? Achieving that in your group of your band of brothers or sisters or friends that were there, you all accomplished it. You, that was the prestige. And so I think what happened in my opinion and is you go and you tell everybody they're the best everybody they're the greatest you're all the champions the chosen ones let's inflate your head because we want you playing the game because you already think you're the best we you're the the chosen one you're the one that's here right and now automatically the person who doesn't want to do anything or i'm just saying right not everybody wants to be competitive now you help to captivate that group of people that maybe otherwise wouldn't seek prestige by giving them something prestigious like a title you're the one you're the chosen one and while that may not matter to everybody there's a percentage of people that maybe wouldn't strive to become a top raider or to achieve rating or to achieve pvp or any of these really difficult things because they're maybe more casual nothing against the casuals right but prestige doesn't usually come from being a casual in an mmrpg it comes from taking on the really tough shit and accomplishing it and in whether that's group content or not whatever that is so how do we make sure we get those people feeling just as special as everybody else running around that's willing to put that time and energy into the game we tell them they're the chosen one because that'll keep them buying shit in our shops that'll keep them paying for expansions that'll keep them microtransactioning away to give us what we want in my opinion that's 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 part of why I think that starts to become like the, the road most traveled. 
Yeah, and I agree with you there, Sim, wholeheartedly. And I think what is far more engaging and interesting is if there's a great threat out there and you are a citizen of a node and it's threatening your node, you're one of those people that says, you know what, I'm going to rise up with my friends, with my town to take that challenge on. And that's much more, in my opinion, much more of a poignant story point than it is me being the hero. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm just let me finish my ale and go kill the next monster. I mean, it's it's just it's very lazy storytelling when in an MMO, like the player is always the hero. And I think it's important. Not only I think it not only does it um, to your point, right? It it helps potentially incentivize people that un, wouldn't otherwise be incentivized to do it. To say, hey, well, I can be the hero now, right? But I think what's more compelling um, is really having uh, having that ability to come together and collaborate. And and the fact that we don't or we've been kind of inundated with that hero complex for a lot of the narratives that we've experienced in MMOs, it, it it puts less and less focus on the need to collaborate. There's still raids where, yeah. okay, I need, you know, 20, 30 other people to make them happen. But if, like you said, if everyone, you know, thinks they're the chosen one, right there, it doesn't feel like there's anywhere else to go, you know, with that. And, and personally, it, it makes people, I don't know, a little more like egotistical whereas like something like and i actually i'm i find myself thinking of elden ring when you were talking is how initially it's like mm, man this sucks like <laughs> that this game is so hard yeah right but after a while you're like okay i'm all right to a point with failure right because i feel like at that point if i really try and you know, use everything in my arsenal, whether that be actual skills or, you know, awareness or what have you, I feel like I accomplished something more so than, you know, than being kind of in a raid and, and I'm the hero, blah, blah, blah. I just, I don't know. I just, there's just a difference to me. I mean, there's still that sense of accomplishment when you take down a boss. Um, But then, like in games like World of Warcraft, well, you can take that boss down in Raid Finder, and it's it's basically like a snore fest. Then you could, you know, um, you could sit there and just spam one or two spells and still take the boss down. And there's no sense of accomplishment there. As you get into higher tiers, you know, I there's some of that there, but it still feels like hmm, it's not really as impactful if you can take down the same boss like you know, in four di- different difficulties without having, mm-hmm. again, that sense of like, you know, there's only one option to kill this boss and I have to collaborate and I have to work with my friends and I have to be on my like, you know, best, you know, in, in terms of skills and, and learn. It just, there's just a different mentality, yeah. I guess, that that type of narrative um, makes when you're the hero of the story. And again, it's it's one of those things that I'm really passionate about. And I consistently say it like whenever I'm discussing this is let's stop doing that. It's it's not interesting. If this was a single player experience, fine. But this is an MMO. You need to be able to teach players that they need others to do great things. It's not just 
you know, you're not just Rambo in a high fantasy setting, right? You are like just a schleb like everyone else. And when schlebs come together, they're powerful. But schleb. on their own, right, they can only do so much. Yeah, what exactly? I've never, you know, I'm going to be really honest, man. I got to sidebar this real quick. What what exactly is a schleb? I mean, just like, you know, just like, you know, a normal person, like in anyone. <laughs> Right, you're just they're, like no, a, they're nothing great. That's yeah, so funny. Normie, yeah, yeah, I guess. What up, schlebs? Right, have a schmuck. Schlebs? I don't no. know what he does. A schmuck. <laughs> you know, I wanted to say something about that though, because I think prestige is like to me that is the way to to get that sense of accomplishment, as opposed to, you know, what I mean like Lord of War title, like something that's hard to achieve, but you get it through merit, not just because you were here to play through the story. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't work for me. The other thing is I agree with Pasha too. And in both of you, I think on this, I think it's important that that main narrative for the story of you know, Ashes of creation is an open experience that can be explored and not locked behind, I think, nodes specifically because of how gated and how long it could take to get that at. But I think corruption's a really good side story that can be equally as rich because corruption yes. has evolved. Areas become corrupt. They threaten nodes, right? Creatures exist that, you know, could be gargantuan that we have to fight that then are unlockable and they can have their own story. And that definitely, I think adds a, a massive level of richness to the overall, overall lore of the world that can be discovered without taking away from that. Right. And can I just sidebar for a second? You brought, you brought up a really good point. The title Lord of war or God slayer, or, you know, awesome titles like this. It's so important that, one, we can't buy the title. I feel like a title is more than just a cosmetic. Yeah, agreed. It's, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of achievement. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be... You, you should be able to get titles through the main story just to say that, you know, I did this. This is your reward. Good job. But not like... It shouldn't be the coolest titles. It should be badass titles, but like they, that don't mean like you're the, the god but to the other extreme, it's important that titles are not, or cool titles are mm. not earnable by grind. I shouldn't be Lord of War because I killed 10,000 players. Yeah. I should be Lord of War because I toppled the top five players. You know, I should be the best because I led three sieges and completed three sieges against the city it shouldn't it shouldn't be a destiny 2 kind of game. yeah i shouldn't have to grind for two weeks and be like i'm so good i got this no <laughs> you don't have a job that's what it means <laughs> right <laughs> and you lack a sleep schedule right like, this is this is all about grind and it shouldn't be look lord of war yeah. should be because you're badass it shouldn't be because you're just persistent right and uh i'm a former emperor in the elder scrolls online i worked really hard for that mm -hmm. and nobody helped me get it but real talk for a minute, when I achieve that, it's two things. One, highest alliance points in your alliance 
when B, your alliance takes the Imperial City, meaning capturing the six keeps around. around, Yeah, yeah, capturing the six keeps that surround the Imperial City. When that happens, whoever you are with the most AP, you're the emperor, period. That's it. That's literally it. It's not about being a right. badass, and there are tricks sure. to doing that too. Like, yeah, some people don't even take keeps. Right, they, they just go for the resource yep. points around the keep because yep. that's what gives you the most points. AP, and you just grind that stuff. And it's hard to do. It is really hard. So many people competing yes. for that. It's exhausting. But, still, but it's yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. But when you got it, were you like, wow, I'm a badass? Yeah, like, oh, my God, I can finally sit down and sleep. That's the truth is I finally felt like I finally got it. And, you know, I've achieved that thing I wanted to achieve. But I don't think that you check the box, right? You check the box. And right. All right. Badass. Now on to the next. Yeah. Instead, you want to be able to feel like I'm unbeatable. Yeah, and that's not oh, what that's about. Crap. That's not what yeah. that's about at all. Don't get me wrong. I I earned that. And it was a lot of work, but I cannot say that I feel like I earned it the way I would want to because the way I would have wanted to, it wouldn't have been about points. It would have been about specific things like objectives that I was there to, con, you know, help complete and a combination of things, things that directly tied into making the war successful and AP absolutely is not a strong indicator of that. And no, if, no, if someone's no. like, but Sim, all of those things are, you got to do those to get AP. Right. But I can also sit there and just repair a fucking wall the whole time. Come on, man. Literally nobody could be there fighting and you just repaired a wall. And that's how you got alliance points. Yeah. No, man, that's that's not the way. That's going to be in yeah. a series of objectives. And then maybe at the end, every like the, th- the top three guys that completed yeah. these objectives Fight it out. Have, have to gather three friends each. So they have a full group of four each. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're the champion of that group. You're the representative of that group. So you're the guy who's in line to be emperor. And you guys fight it out. Yeah. It's an arena. Yes. One group versus one group. And then another group versus one group. It's, oh, yeah. you know, it's a ladder. And then the the best right. one actually becomes emperor. Yeah, you'd have a you lot less emperors in that game. That when you get it, you're like, oh my <laughs> god, I'm so good. But in ESL, right. there are so many emperors. It's crazy. Yeah, like, and I believe, right, that I would have been that person. I I know I could have done it, right? Mm. But it just wasn't about that. But it wasn't about that, and it does feel a little diminishing. You know what diminishes that even further? Taking away something you said you never take away, like those passive uh, passive abilities over there that some of us worked really fucking hard for that you just deleted because you didn't want to work on balancing your game. Shame on you. Don't ever do that shit to players. Sorry, you know I had really to say hurt, that. You know what really hurts also is when uh, someone says that they're going to give me a trailer for the character creator and then when it happens, they just <laughs> won't deliver it. <laughs> oh, Hawk <laughs> is so sad about this, man. <laughs> He's so sad. Remember when we were talking at the beginning of the show about how to get my fucking candy? Give me my candy. <laughs> give me. Steven, please. <laughs> I'm here. I've been here so long. I've been here so long. Tell me. Tell me. I'm, tell me. Tell I me. earned my slice of pie, Steven. Give me. Yeah. Give me a sweat off the... Off the never mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That kid, Dark Places. 
awkward moments. Okay, sorry, I forgot this was in the LFM show. Yeah, right, that's Thursday the same that one. Just, CDT. Yeah. Oh, nice. Good shout out. I like it. <laughs> we have a lot of fun on that one, man. That's the that's the. We definitely filter ourselves here, right? We might say some things sometimes, but we definitely filter it and at least tie it all into ashes. Over there, it's just wherever the hell we go really and it's kind of nice because it feels very therapeutic like that because then you're like these motherfuckers try to tell me what games playing means these pay to win pieces of shit wait wait <laughs> that's the way to do that anyway if you actually care about muting out the cuss words i do 90 percent of the time i don't and then there's that 10 percent where i think it's funny to use the beep so so yeah, you know what we're talking about next week though, Pasha? It's a perfect segue from this discussion point today to what we're gonna be discussing next week. You won't be here for it, half tilt will be, but what are you going to be discussing next week, Sim? Please e- tell e-sports me. Esports and ashes, man. Talking about that competitive thing. Get that get these people what they need. Give you know the competitive players what they need. Give role players what they need. Give everyone what they need. Yeah, um, and Donovan's in chat missed out his shout out at the beginning of the show. It's unfortunate. I guess I have to go back and listen to it and hear what that's about. Okay, cool. So, catch it on every streaming platform available. Uh, available in every place this podcast is found. And listen to it there, friends. Yeah. Oh, for good sleep. iTunes. Yeah, iTunes, man. iTunes a beast, man. That's a tough place to get rated and get <laughs> bumped up on the. Yeah, we we talk about it, but it's really about the algorithm. Like it's just about helping to bolster the the show so if people if you do and if you do genuinely enjoy the show and you're willing to put a little bit of time in to kind of go deal with the whole itunes thing um it is a little finicky but yeah the the ratings really do genuinely help to to boost us up in the algorithm and um you know wish it didn't come down to something like that as much as maybe just plays and stuff but it really does help so please do consider uh doing that i really would appreciate it but um yeah next week man we're gonna we're gonna go there I think today became a lot more about narrative than lore, didn't it? It did. Yeah, but lore is you big. can't have one without the other. Very true. That's, Absolutely. That's yep. Yeah, it's very good. You know what I liked about going to go completely full circle here, here? City of Heroes is a great example of that, I think, because when I started playing that, I looked badass. I have a lot of customization of my skill effects. You can color all that stuff the way you want it to be before you even play. That's all cool. But you know what? You're a superhero, and most superheroes are the chosen one to some degree, aren't they? And this is a superhero game where you're not the chosen one. Yeah, they managed to take something that intrinsically, mm-hmm. conceptually is you know, the chosen one, and they managed to make you ordinary because there are so many superheroes out there. Yeah. You're just one of them. Yeah. And they're much bigger threats that you have to face, and you can't face them alone. Yeah. Yeah. Unique that unique combination. Stronger than the good guys, 1v1. Mm. There you go. That's a good I like that, you know. And and you do get a lot of prestige, I think, from you know, from, from like accomplishing goals in a greater group. And you can be a bunch of just normal people that band together and accomplish great things. And you can also be a bunch of normal people who get together and do horrible things. And then that's what PVP life justice is for. But in, in that regard, we'll be picking back up on that one next week. Won't we friends talking about a little bit of life justice and 
<laughs> stuff and things. But gentlemen, this was fun. It was good to kind of jump in on that and to kind of, you know, revisit narrative and lore a bit because I don't feel like we've actually done that here in quite a while. Not enough. No, I miss yeah, it. It's something that we all enough. care about. But we we rarely talk about. Yeah. I, on that note, you know what? I'm really curious, and I want to kind of pose this question for any of our listeners or viewers. Here's a here's a thought, and I'd love to see what you think if you've stayed this long uh, to to leave a comment on this, or in Discord too. We know the Avatar of the Phoenix is the goddess of creations avatar, the celestial avatar of that god. What would be a cool avatar for the other gods that we know about? I'd love to see what people think. True, we know about the phoenix, and we know that there are multiple right. other gods. And they said, like, it's not, yeah, you know, it's it, it's more concepts than something that are, yeah, obvious. Like, there's, it's not like the god of water. It's the, you know, yeah. the god of time, the god of creation. Yeah. So, what would those avatars be? That would be a really fun. That'd be a really fun discussion, I think. True. So, let us know what you think. And with that being said, I think we're going to wind down this podcast today. We'll go, Daedalus Pasha, go ahead and shout out your domains. Let people know where they can find you when you're not on the podcast here. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald. And Pasha. And you can find me on Discord. I'm just Pasha, hashtag 0001. And you can find me on Twitch at Pasha TV. Outstanding. And friends, again, Really appreciate you being here. And remember that, you know, you don't have to be on this round table to be a Pathfinder. Pathfinders are the people that join us on the journey, that are here when we're live, who listen on the car, drive to work or back home. You're the ones that watch it on YouTube later. You, you check the VOD here on Twitch where we're live with it um, or all the podcast places where you're listening. And remember that you two are a Pathfinder and much love to all of y'all. Right. Much love to Intrepid Studios. And until next week, friends, live your best lives, walk in the dark, I mean, light, and <laughs> have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Make good choices. <laughs>